0: From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB, brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX
2: shares with $0 commission.
1: Hello, this is the COB, all the stuff you need to know about the day and perhaps even the week in business. It's uh, a short week. I'm Kyle Rotto, and uh, with, of course, Daniel Ikuye. Daniel, What can we say about today's trade? There really wasn't much to it, was there?
0: No, not a lot. I mean, it really went risk off um, after the RBA came out about their financial stability report. So Mm. I think there's a few people taking some risk off um, up until, you know, we go into Friday's jobs report in the US. Nobody really wants to be long anything at the moment where they feel there might be um, some bad news lurking. But I think volumes are really, really low at the moment, Kyle. And that is typical of the day before a long weekend, before a holiday, low volumes, prices tend to move more. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. a wait and see game at the moment.
1: It certainly is, yeah. We're not gonna be back on board until Tuesday. So with all the potential goings on on uh, Friday night and uh, going into to Monday as well, there's uh, there's a lot of risks that you well, attempting to, to react to on Tuesday morning if, you, if you're holding something uh, into the long weekend. But let's get to the three themes of the day because I think that takes us uh, to the point we're making here. And actually, I thought it'd be interesting to start with what we got last night out of the United States, which was some weak economic data. And I have yes. to say, I nixed this from uh, Bloomberg, but it's the question perhaps we're asking now, is bad news just bad news? We're used to bad news, many more potential rate cuts and equities benefit from that. But some soft numbers out of the United States, the ISM services PMI, as well as uh, the, well, ADP mm. private sector, jobs numbers in America, both weaker than expected. and perhaps pointing to a bit of a downturn, and well, that didn't seem to be treated too well by investors.
0: No, absolutely not. So the thing the market has been overlooking, it's basically been saying, Kyle, that it doesn't matter if the economy slows down because interest rates will come down. So we're happy to buy big tech. We're happy to buy selectively. But at the end of the day, if the economy slows down, you are gonna have those earnings downgrades and we are going into the US reporting season. And I think this could be a real confessional time Mm. for US companies because they really have to lay their, their cards out on the table now. They don't, the Americans are very good at, massaging is the wrong word, but setting expectations for their earnings. And if they're seeing signs of a slowdown, then I think there might be some disappointment. So we are in a bad news is a bad news cycle. Yeah,
1: there's a reason why 72% of companies generally beat expectations on S&P 500. They set that bar low. And if that (laughs) low bar isn't exceeded, then of course uh, it's going to come with a bit of a backlash in markets. Now, just in terms of the other three themes for the day, we spoke about it before, the risk off element in the market. Very, very uh, eloquently put by yourself before, uh, quite naturally, just the whole notion of uh, not taking any risk, no long positions no. into the Fed on, uh, or oh, sorry, not the Fed, on some non farm payrolls on Friday night. And those non farm payrolls in particular, expecting. Flat, uh, 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 sorry, I should say, uh, the unemployment rates to remain more or less steady, uh, but jobs growth to slow down, and we'll be looking at that wage growth yep. figure as well, expected to come in at about zero point three percent average hourly earnings, which, well, as we know, we will all be watching for because of well, the potential that uh, there could still be some stubborn inflationary pressures uh, persisting in the US.
0: Absolutely, and the thing about you know unemployment, it's very much a lagging indicator, and I think sometimes you can question whether or not the Fed is is really focusing too much on inflation. But yeah, it is very important, very important that wages growth doesn't start to or embed it to itself too much into the economy because then you get inflationary expectations coming up. But what I think is really interesting, I'm watching our Australian dollar And uh, you can tell how much we're in a risk-off scenario because we are very much a resources country, a housing-related property country. And uh, yeah, the Aussie dollar's under 67 cents at the moment. So definitely, you know, traders again, taking taking the risk off as they go into the weekend.
1: Yeah, and that's, uh, you noted on the desk today, too. despite you know, what hasn't necessarily been a resurgent US dollar, it's a little bit stronger than where it was a few months ago, but we're not seeing the greenback no. absolutely shooting the lights out. So no, no. this seems to be a bit of an Aussie dollar story. And we did see, obviously, trade balance starter out today yes. as well. Yes. Uh, trade surplus increasing, but hold on because of weaker domestic demand so a little bit of a lower there. imports
0: basically lower imports and also a slight fall in terms of people travelling overseas so maybe interest rates are finally starting to bite here at home and people are starting to tighten the purse strings and for those of you that are travelling it won't be an unwelcome thing to watch airfares come down.
1: <laughs> I can tell you that that's certainly been the case over the last few months. So taking some pressure off. Well, my relationship as well as my bank balance, I've got to say. But let's get to some of the sectors of the day. And, uh, well, it's been very, very defensive, actually. Just uh, Yeah. You've, I think it might have I've a couple some, of them when you're Yeah, you I've got some
0: great uh, little stats sitting here. So really... I thought it's worth just focusing on the fact that real estate, the REITs, have been very heavily hit over the last month. So I'm looking at about a 17% decline over the last month and about 1.4% today. And if we contrast that in what's going on in healthcare, everybody's racing into healthcare. Defensive stocks, we spoke about that yesterday with Mark from Macro. Um, CSL is back up knocking at that $300 level again and people are very, very positive on it. Again, selling off in energy, materials, um, also consumer discretionary stocks down about 1.3% today, and the consumer staples the likes of Woolworths and Coles a bit firmer as well as the utilities. So the Australian market is really, really positioning itself at the moment, not unlike the US Mm. in terms of, let's be defensive, if we have to stay invested, we want to be in the stocks that hopefully will outperform.
1: Absolutely, and uh, just to add a little bit of a garnish, because I couldn't do it uh, any better, of course, uh, just, it was literally just the textbook defensive positioning uh, for some numbers for utilities 1.06% higher, healthcare just over 1.5% higher, consumer staples, 0.35% higher. So there you have it. Investors looking for some comfort in those defensive names. But uh, just in terms, I suppose, of some of the big stories of the day, I guess the the corporate news flow has been a little lighter. Some M&A activity this week has obviously caught the attention. Uh, But otherwise today, a little bit quieter. But uh, BHP in the headlines. uh, Program, uh, an asking program to support promising minerals explorers, and it will expand beyond copper and nickel to prospective uranium and lithium projects from September. Oh, that's Uh,
0: interesting. Lithium, they're going into lithium because BHP Mm -hmm. always said the lithium market wasn't large enough for them. They only wanted to go into, you know, very large secular growth. And I do think uranium as well, that's that, you know, we've been discussing uranium throughout the week. And uh, it does seem to be as though there's much more of a push now at uh, looking at nuclear baseload power.
1: Absolutely, a sign of the times potentially. Mm. And uh, in fact, Bank of America Global Research uh, on the uh, topic of lithium has uh, lowered the earnings estimates for lithium stocks, of course, in the short term after cutting the price target recently. Uh, it downgraded Albemarle Corp to underperform from neutral. Uh, and that did have a little bit of an effect on the broader lithium space after that big use of the uh, well potential acquisition uh, and the rejected bid by Liontown Resources of uh, Arbon that $2.50 per share, I think it was, uh, we have seen uh, throughout the week, lithium losing a little bit of steam, uh, of course, much higher than what it was a couple of weeks ago, nevertheless. But, yeah. uh, well, that takes us to, I guess, a bit of a discussion around the stock of the day. And, uh, well, I'll see if I can actually get that in my ear, potentially, because I, uh, I missed the call. Uh, I have to say, I was running around Sydney trying to hand back keys to one apartment, pick up keys to another, just another victim here of the rental crisis. Uh, But it was Rio Tinto. Have a listen to what our guest had to say about the investment case for Rio Tinto. My only thing with Rio, I tend to agree with that analysis, and I'm and I think Rio is will be a better company in, in a year or two with that um, added right. diversification. Um, however, I'm very wary of buying cyclicals at the top of the at the top right. of ranges into probably
2: know, a little bit more bearish on iron ore prices as well, mainly from right. a supply side point of view. So that's probably you can tell what our opinions on Rio would be just from that statement. Yeah. But The blessing and the curse of Rio Tinto is that it's such a large and complex business. And to give management credit, probably the last 12 months, they're actually starting to hit a bit of a purple patch, particularly as they improve efficiency in the shipment. So they had a big bottleneck issue in their shipments in iron ore, um, but it's just not the right point in the cycle. So I think this is one that you should actually pay a bit closer attention to. Um, last five, 10 years, they've really struggled to maintain even the midpoint of their shipments guidance, which has been a, you know a, a, the reason why everyone says you'd always just buy BHP, but that narrative might be changing over the next 12 months, particularly um, depending on how that, their Pilbara yeah. division goes. So something to watch there, but not the right point in the cycle for us. We'd probably be happy to, to take some profits and sell.
1: Okay, so that was Mark Gardner from Macro Capital and Daniel Ortiz from Stock Doctor slash Lincoln Indicators uh, talking about the investment uh, case for Rio Tinto, but. Danielle, obviously I wanted to ask you a little bit just on that, um, I mean are you exposed to the, the the mining space or any of the big miners in particular because it seems to me that people have sort of I guess gone for the, the BHP's of the world over the, the Rio Tinto's, perhaps even Rio Tinto are trading in a bit of a discount to, to BHP, I mean what's, what's your view on the space?
0: Well just speaking personally, uh, I like the diversification that mm. BHP has and uh, I really I wouldn't be totally comfortable about having greater exposure just to iron ore. I think the fact that BHP is very clearly trying to transition to the Mm. new secular growth themes within the clean energy space or, you know, diversifying away from the fossil fuels because I do apply, um, albeit my own personal Mm. ESG filters, and it's worth stating that because a lot of ESG can be quite, you know, personal and judgmental. Uh, But for me, I just don't want necessarily pure exposures just to China. And I think when uh, we're looking at Australia and also the big tech companies over in the US, I think increasingly we need to look at them through the filter of the China-America geopolitical risk. So BHP, diversification in this case, is what works for me, but that's only me.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, well, those ASG filters can be very subjective. You're talking to a, a vegan here, so I own about four stocks, and they're all about tech. So uh, that's uh, how tight I run those things for me. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's go on to just uh, really quickly just the, the view that you wrote today. Yeah. Of course, it's going to be in the uh, the clo- uh, close of business newsletter sent to your inboxes. But a bit of an interesting discussion, especially I suppose. Uh, revolving a little bit around property once again, the big talking point for this week.
0: Absolutely. Um, So there's some interesting figures that have come out of the US and we know that US residential prices have been falling. And we also know that there's a lot of focus on what's happening with commercial property over there. You've had some redemptions in some of the closed end funds for Blackstone. And investors are basically pulling back. So these are quite, um, you know, it's not about being bearish, but we have to look at the facts. And US regional banks now have about 60% exposure to the US $2.9 trillion commercial property market. So Tony, our guest in the former segment, was actually talking about the fact that regional banks are under increasing pressure because they're losing deposits on one side. On the other side of the coin, they've got this huge exposure to commercial property. But what's happening in from the investor spaces is the latest sales of US rental apartment buildings. They're actually declining at the fastest rate since the GFC. So according to CoStar Group, US investors bought 14 billion worth of apartment buildings, which was down 74% from the same period a year ago. And that compares to a 77% decline in 2009. So I guess it's not about being necessarily bearish, but I think when Jamie Dimon came out, and made the point that the banking crisis isn't over. My piece today focuses on another gentleman out of the UK, Ian Hartnett, who runs Absolute Strategy Research. He is a very interesting person to follow, and he just highlights that there is ongoing systemic risk, he feels, and it's all about we had low interest rates, zero interest rates for such a long time, that encourages a lot of borrowings, By definition, property is a highly leveraged asset. Mm. It's one of the reasons why Australians love it, (laughs) because they can make money out of it because it's leveraged, of course. When interest rates are coming down, everything's fine. But when we've had the steepest rate rises in 40 years, when the tide goes out, we see who's swimming naked. And I think it really is as simple as that. It's not a hard concept to um, get your head around. And for investors, it's always about Risk management.
1: Absolutely, and uh, well, I feel like it's a subject of conversation. We'll we'll pick up again throughout the year as uh, liquidity conditions tighten. But let's uh, move on and get to our guest. Well, final guest for the day. Final guest for the week. Henry Jennings from Marcus Today joins us. Now, Henry, I wouldn't mind actually getting your view just because if nothing else, it's the buzz topic for the week, the risks in the property sector, the commercial property sector in particular, even the RBA today and its financial stability report alluding somewhat to the risks in property. I mean, is this something that you keep much uh, notice of? It, it, it plays into perhaps your estimations of the world. How do you interpret what's, what's going on there potentially, especially as it applies to, to the local market?
3: Geez, Kyle, um, that's a question and a half just before Easter. I've got to say, I'm not a commercial property expert by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, You know, when you look at the reits, the the big valuation uplifts have always come from revaluing the properties, of course, and that's uh, that's why they've been so attractive. Interest rates are falling. You know, the, the bond market yields have absolutely collapsed Uh, And yet the REITs have been under serious pressure, as Danielle says. Welcome, Danielle, this is our first time. Uh, So that's exciting. But um, yeah, I gotta say commercial property is not my area of expertise. And uh, it's always good to have a curly question before Easter, Carl. so thanks for that. I appreciate it.
0: Hey, Henry, our first time. I don't know how we're gonna interpret that, but hey-ho, let's go. (laughs) Lithium. Let's let's get on to lithium um, because I did pick up today from the uh, China Caxin survey that actually car sales have been quite weak over there. So how are you looking at the lithium space? It was a very crowded trade. Clearly the money is coming out. We're getting downgrades. How do you see it?
3: Uh, I see it as a fantastic opportunity at some stage, Danielle. I've got to say, uh, you know, 2022 was the year that lithium went nuts and as always things overshoot you've got to remember the lithium price that we see is also very um it's very thin it's based on not an awful lot uh it's not the most transparent market there's many different products in the uh, the lithium space some doing better than others lithium carbonate not doing so well but lithium hydroxide doing slightly better but this to me is an opportunity a long-term opportunity there's no doubt let's face it that the the long-term electrification of the transport sector is happening. Uh, maybe one month it's a little bit weaker, one month it's a little bit stronger. But at the moment, we're certainly seeing the lithium price under pressure. We're seeing that Mile downgrade by Bank of America. I mean, come on guys, where have you been? Have you been asleep at the wheel? I mean, the lithium price has crashed and now you're downgrading? I mean, really and truly, uh, you have gotta be crazy. And yet, and yet, Mile are confident enough in the future to lob a big, big bid at Liontown, $5.6 billion bid at Liontown, which is still not even producing, it is constructing uh, a lithium project. So clearly that the industry players themselves and the car manufacturers are out there, they are looking to get their hands on long-term supply. Now the prices of lithium could never last at those ridiculous levels, let's face it. Uh, But uh, there is an opportunity brewing still I think we're still a little bit early. If I was someone that looked at YouTube a lot during the day and was Googling commercial property values, which I'm obviously going to do now, Kyle, uh, in light of your curly question, uh, then um, I would suggest that maybe, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theory kind of person, but you know, you'd have to look at the lithium price and say, you know, there's something funny going on here. You know, there was a big ramp up. There was a big collapse. Everybody's talking it down. The Chinese talking it down and they have the most to gain from lower prices because they are the market for electric vehicles at the moment. And, um, you know, Europe's backing off a little bit. But I think there is an opportunity, especially in the likes of Pilbara, which is producing. And uh, I think, you know, if you look at 5.6 million billion, sorry, for Town, and then you look at the relative valuation for Pilbara, Pilbara doesn't look expensive with two billion dollars odd in cash as well uh, you know it's only probably eight and a half billion dollar market cap now so anyway
1: takes me to my next question Henry quantum mechanics uh, in no obviously joking yeah. uh,
3: but <laughs> I, I, I'll go to uh, the Canadian Prime Minister for that he's my uh, own friend as far as quantum mechanics go I can talk quantum computing if you like Carl
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, we might have to pick up on that one one day um, but uh, with obviously a little bit more forewarning but just in terms of the 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 data coming up in the next couple of days in the states it comes on a public holiday no less and the sort of the narrative that came out in the last 24 hours at least going around the financial media is you know bad news is bad news again referencing the the PMI surveys the last couple of days and the the other jobs report that we had do you get the sense that the markets are starting to kind of become recession sensitive where okay we might get rate cuts but hang on a second that means there's going to be a big hit to to growth and, and probably earnings as well
3: Um, Yeah, interestingly, I did pick up on something that uh, the RBA governor was talking about yesterday, Phil Lowe and his press club thing, talking about margin expansion, uh, which to me signaled gouging. Uh, There's a lot of focus on on margins. There's going to be a lot of focus in U.S. reporting season on margins and whether they're under pressure or not. I suspect, you know, here we are with 3.6 percent unemployment in the U.S. And we have been predicting this recession for so long now. I mean, eventually the, the uh, analysts and the economists are going to be right, aren't they? Let's face it. There will be a recession in the U.S. at some stage. But at the moment, there doesn't seem to be much sign of it. The jobs market's holding up pretty well. GDP's holding up pretty well. Company profits haven't exactly cratered. In fact, the stock market, the Nasdaq was an officially in a bull market, up 20 percent. And the other, the Dow and the S&P, are all positive for the year. So and we've gone through a banking crisis. <laughs> And, of course, there's commercial property to bear in mind as well. So, you know, there's a lot of things at play here, Kyle. But, um, you know, by Tuesday, we'll probably have forgotten about the non-farm payrolls and be focusing on the next big thing to come out uh, of the U.S. But, um, yeah, as long as it's within a kind of reasonable range, I think the market will just do what the market wants and prepare itself for U.S. reporting season and, of course, us for the budget come May.
0: Yeah, so, Henry, are you sort of positioning more in, in defensive stocks at the moment, or you're just literally, no, you're just staying with the stocks that you, you like, basically?
3: Um, I don't do defensive, uh, Danielle, uh, really and truly. Defensive is cash. Uh, I, I run a small cap portfolio and that by virtue of what it is, is not defensive. Uh, there are a few uh, defensive stocks that I could name that I've got in there, which are usually some sort of corporate mm-hmm. deal involved. Uh, which does give a sort of quasi cash appeal to them but certainly not uh, not looking at the healthcare sector particularly uh certainly not looking at the REITs they really don't fall into my uh, purvey of stocks in the small cap sector more interested in commercial property to be quite honest (laughs) what about um gold what about gold uh the um the, the gold, I always I always find it funny that the U.S. commentators on CNBC, sorry to, to mention a rival channel, but U.S. commentators on CNBC are a massively great indicator of tops. They got really excited about lithium. And as usual, the Americans late to the party, they got really excited about lithium last year and were spouting on about it. And then the lithium price crashed and has been crashing. Now they're all getting excited about gold. Uh, here we are at 2,000 uh, U.S., an ounce and three thousand and eight, I think it is in Aussie dollar terms. So it's pretty good out there for gold companies. They could do some serious hedging at the moment if they want. But uh, you know, I, th- I think gold is going to simmer around these kind of levels. We've seen the odd day when it really does pick up, but I think you know, with gold shares, you do have to buy and sell them. They're not numbers on doors. It's good to sell into strength, and at some stage the bullion price will fall over again, it will drop 40 bucks and everyone will panic and then it's the time to pick them back up again. So you need to trade gold stocks. I think we're tending towards uh, the top end, uh, maybe the last sort of 5, 10% in gold for the time being and then a little bit of a uh, consolidation phase.
1: So maybe the inverse Kramer ETF there uh, for for you potentially. Um, Just uh, last but not least, Putting kind of, I suppose, all of that into a little bit, a bit of a boat, so to speak. I mean, you made a, yep. an allusion before that, you know, you if you're defensive, you're in cash and we'll probably find another narrative to explain why the world's ending next week. Does this, is this to say that where you are right now, you're pretty confident to be invested and, and might be even putting some from new money to, to work in this market as well?
3: Uh, yeah, i got to say, I, I think April is going to be a good month mm. for the market. Traditionally, it is a good month for the market. Now, I'm not sure sure how it fares after May. I've got a feeling we could be in for a sell in May and go away. And I also think that with June coming in the tax loss period, uh, that may cause some trickiness, especially in the lithium space. You may be able to pick up some incredible bargains in June as people just tip out stocks in the resource space that just have been uh, uh, walloped this uh, this year so I think June could be a pretty good time there we do have a federal budget in May there's lots of question marks about uh, resources in there with the petroleum rent resorts tax changes there of course the new emissions uh, schemes that are coming in so that has implications for Woodside and Santos etc so I think April good May not so and June could be a great opportunity
1: Henry, I uh, really appreciate you coming on and uh, tolerating my curly questions, of course. Um, have a That's wonderful right. long weekend. Henry Jennings from Marcus today.
0: Thanks, Henry.
3: Thanks, guys. Nice to see you, Danielle.
1: Okay, well, uh, let's move on, of course, and uh, let's have a look at what's happening tonight because we have been speaking extensively about the U.S. non-farm payrolls numbers, but we do get a little bit of jobs data out of Canada. U.S. unemployment claims, always a good sort of more forward-looking indicator, I guess you could say, um, on what's happening in terms of hiring in the United States, or really actually firing. Um, But uh, let's have a look now also at what's going on tomorrow, because public holidays uh, right around the globe, but uh, as we've been alluding to, Danielle, just that U.S. non-farm payrolls data to uh, to cap off the week.
0: Yeah, and just having a look here at the U.S. futures, they're all being marked down at the moment. Uh, I wouldn't think you're going to get much happening in the U.S. either mm. um, in the run up to those um, employment numbers coming out on Friday. So, you know, everybody will sit on their hands and uh, then panic on Monday, I guess, or not panic as the case may be. But I, I, I'm I, a little bit more hesitant than uh, Henry about uh, this April being the great month. But we're going to have to wait and see, aren't we? we That's see. the thing about markets.
1: <laughs> Two sides to every trade okay well let's take a look at the leaders now of the day and while we have been talking a lot about a bit of a defensive skew potentially uh, there's no kind of theme that jumps off uh, the, no. the, the the screen at me right now maybe even you could say as well some moves could be exaggerated by the fact that you know volumes are a little yeah. bit lighter liquidity can be a little bit thinner uh, but Mug up the top of the table there, 7.4%. Anything that jumps out to you potentially, Danielle? Maybe I, the ones that you might have in your portfolio?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't go revealing all of that. No, you Magician all... never reveals their exactly. secrets. Exactly. No, uh, I think the ASX um, might have had some good numbers, some good monthly figures there. And uh, obviously, the whole chess in Broglio and blockchain has really been sitting on that share price for quite a while. So they might have had some better than expected monthly figures there. Silver, um, Henry's absolutely right. CNBC has been talking a lot about gold, uh, but they've also been talking about silver. So maybe that's why we're seeing Silver Lake Resources again in Mm. one of the winners. Bega, not so sure, might be a special situation. And uh, I definitely think, though, that the lower volumes during the day would be tending to accentuate some of these price moves that are going on, unless you found something. Why?
1: Yeah, well, bigger. I, uh, I certainly not any getting a boost to my uh, towards profits from from my consumption of your cheese. Uh, but apparently, analysts at Bell Potter retain their buy rating on the company and improve the price target. So maybe something behind that there. might be a bit of a lift, yeah, exactly. So um, we have seen actually a lot of um, broker up gap grades coming through throughout the week and actually moving prices. We're talking about that today um, uh, with a few guests about Seek in particular, which um, yeah. has actually performed reasonably well. Gary Glover, in fact, I was talking about that with seek so let's look at the laggards now as well and well nickel mines actually did have a conversation today about the nickel price Um, yeah yeah really interesting i mean I, one of those commodities I feel that often gets overlooked in the conversation locally because, well, you know, you've got the, the sexy ones now with in terms of your, your lithium, you might be in your uranium and then yep. the old stores of, of iron ore and everyone loves a little bit of gold here and there. Nickels uh, market dynamics are fascinating, especially with what happens in Indonesia and what have you. But our prices have been trending uh, lower uh, recently, and I, I, I'm not sure exactly why that that necessarily is uh, is the case. But nevertheless, it mines off by 6.11% today. Your worst performer, Inghams. Well, people uh, are eating cheese, maybe not chicken. Yeah, down 5%.
0: Yeah, I think um, there is bird flu again oh um, in China. Uh, China, Japan. Um, I read that this morning. So, um, in the absence of finding anything else. Um, Yeah, I'm just having a look here that there seems to be uh, a high mortality rate among batches of chooks supplied by Ingham's, uh, the meat growers. So, yeah, difficult one. Mm. Commodity sort of stocks, soft commodities, always quite challenging. What is it they say? You don't make movies with animals and children could be a little bit the same yeah, Same with, with your stocks.
1: investing well yeah. defi- definitely with investing don't invest in anything that uses children in anywhere along the supply chain i have I'm to say that,
0: that but the- just just animals in general
1: <laughs> no animals or children when you invest that's 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 danielle's esg filter right there So there no animals no children i'm all right with it um, but uh there we go there are your laggards for the day and here are the small caps uh, actually, Eleanor investors have, have
0: bought the property portfolio from Challenger. Ah, I think for about forty go. million dollars, forty-one spot eight million dollars there.
1: Spot on, and uh, in Healthcare, this is where we start testing our uh, knowledge of the depth in the market here. But uh, obviously, big moves as always. Let's uh, look at the laggards, though, in terms of the small cap energy resources. Oh, hang on a second. I suppose it's a $0.06 cent share. So what's that? Maybe a $0.02 cent drop uh, for energy resources. Let's see if we can get you some news there because if you weren't across it and you just saw it on your screen, well, you might be just having a connection right now. Um, but energy resources stock, uh, let's have a look. Magellan actually is still falling today. Not down, down there on obviously the small cap list, but that's still uh, moving lower. The uh, Uranium's development shares came under significant pressure this week. Uh, after it announced, uh, well, it's trying to raise capital. So there you go. Um, It's raising it at a discount. So that's uh, contributing to to that weakness. In fact, that news came from earlier on in the week. Um, Let's move on, shall we? So there's your your small cap moves. I felt uh, very much inclined to try and get that energy resources news to you because that is a fairly big drop. But lo and behold, final day of the trading week, we have given up uh, 0.31%, Danielle. And actually, I think for the four days, we might be, if not slightly higher, more or less so you're kind of a bit neutral. really, We've, we've really
0: up. been tracking around um, that seven thousand two hundred level. Once we came through it on the ASX two hundred, and uh, just looking at the ASX two hundred, it actually came off its lows. It was off about a half a percent at one stage, and closed down about a quarter of a percent. Uh, Yeah, so really markets, I think markets are are, are looking for a lead Mm. and uh, they are tracking sideways. There's lots of rotation going on and uh, yeah, we'll have to wait till next Tuesday Well, next Monday if you're that interested when the US markets are open on Monday night, our time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll see you on Tuesday morning, of course, uh, when we are back online. But in the meantime, I hope it's been a wonderful trading week. For you. Remember, you can catch up on all the news and views on our website and app. Well, until Tuesday morning, have a fantastic long weekend.
0: Have a great weekend. The COB is brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission.